gentlemen, stoners and growers, welcome to a midnight rendezvous like no other. I'm your host, Socrates Grows, broadcasting from a server in the heart of America. Join me on this extraordinary journey through the lush foliage of my autoflower garden to learn how to grow your own fire at home. This is Autoflower Power, the podcast that takes you deep into the hidden realms of the horticultural marvels that we call autos. On this episode, we'll be discussing watering for your autoflowers. I'll share how to water your autoflowers at each stage of their growth, how to recognize and solve both overwatering and underwatering issues. I'll also discuss the benefits and drawbacks of top watering and sub irrigation. Then we'll wrap up the show with a little bit about water quality, pH, and some last watering tips and tricks to get your autoflower garden dialed in. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Autoflower Power. Water is a simple molecule, but it plays a vital role in your autoflower garden. Beside light, nutrients, oxygen, and heat, water fuels your plants to its full potential. Understanding watering autoflowers will help you to elevate your grow and avoid some very common mistakes. Before we get to watering, I just want to say thanks to everyone who wrote into the show over the last week. I've gotten a bunch of great questions and comments, and I wanted to invite anyone else who wanted to write in at SocratesGrows at ProtonMail.com. Also, if you like this show, please share it with any fellow gardeners who may be interested in autoflowers. I really appreciate it. All right, let's talk about watering. So watering your autoflowers is very similar to watering any other cannabis plants or any other plants. But there are a couple things to take into consideration specifically with autoflowers when we consider watering, just like anything else. Autoflowers are unique compared to photoperiod plants in that they run a lot quicker, they can take a lot more light, and they tend to be a bit smaller in size. So let's, let's talk about each one of those factors in turn and think about how that might affect watering. So the speed of your plant basically going from seed to harvest is significantly quicker. You're going to run through your vegetative stage, your big growth stage, much, much quicker than you will in a photoperiod plant. That's why a lot of photoperiod plants take a lot longer to veg as opposed to um, autoflower plants. So when we consider the quickness of the autoflowers, we've got to consider that it's going to take more water in that sort of like more sprint versus a a marathon type growth period. So you're going to want to consider if you're coming from photo periods that you're going to probably want to do a little bit more water and be a little bit more on top of it. But in general, as far as plants go, you're going to want to stay on top of these plants because they're going to want their water. They're super quick and you don't have time to catch up. This is something we talk about with a lot of environmental variables. Um, With autoflowers, basically, if you stunt them early on, you have uh, issues because you are on a timeline. So basically, they're going to flower whenever they want to flower, and they're only going to do as much as you can get done in that timeline. So you've got a very small period of time to work with them. So autoflowers are, uh, you know, a little bit more speedy, and we got to take that into consideration when we're considering our watering. It's a little bit more uh, fussy. Overwatering and underwatering can cause stunting issues. So we want to make sure that early on in the plant's life, we're not doing that. All right, let's talk about size. 
Autoflowers tend to be smaller plants, but not always. It depends on you know how we're growing them and the strains that we're growing. But generally, smaller plants will require less water than a similar strain but a larger plant. So, you know, if you're uh, thinking about growing an auto, it's probably going to be smaller. So overall, over the course of its life, it might take a little bit less water. Um, but going back to the speed, it might run through that water a little bit quicker. These are just, you know, some guidelines to be thinking about. Another big factor as far as size goes is the size of the pot. That's going to determine a lot about how often you're going to have to water and how much water you can actually hold in that pot. So when we're thinking about autoflowers, we're, you know, usually growing in something between like a three gallon or a five gallon pot. Those are pretty good. They can hold enough uh, moisture for a while, for a couple of days so that you don't have to continuously water, you know, on the hour, every hour, like in a tiny pot. But consider the size of your pot, too, when considering your watering schedule. Um, you're going to want to avoid any kinds of extremes from like super overwatering to super underwatering or letting things dry back too much. And you're going to want to be consistent. You're going to want to check your watering every few days. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in watering by growth stage uh, in just a minute. But I do want to mention that consistency with watering and making sure that you're on top of it is really important. They say that one of the best fertilizers is a gardener's shadow. And I think that's true. The more love you give to your plants, the more you're on top of them, the more you're making sure that things are going correctly and they have what they need, they're going to be happier plants. So overall, I would say be consistent with your watering, um, be in your garden, enjoy the process, and uh, let's talk about the stages of autoflowers and kind of some specific needs of watering in each stage. So water is first introduced at the seed stage. This is the germination stage. Um, you're going to want to make sure you're using dechlorinated water when you're germinating your uh, seeds. Um, all that that means is that if you're using tap water, you're going to let it air out for 24 hours with some type of open cap or in an open container to let uh, the chlorine get out of the water. Uh, one method you might do is soaking your seeds. Again, you're going to want to use dechlorinated water. Another method uh, that I like using is to put your uh, seeds into uh, toilet paper or a paper towel inside of like a DVD case or something warm and uh, let them germinate in there, basically allowing the taproot to um, establish itself in moist paper. Uh, you're going to want to make sure that the paper remains moist, allowing it to dry out will uh, uh, negatively affect your germination. So you want to just make sure that it's keep uh, it's kept wet in there, um, not like sopping wet, but you do want it to be moist. So um, while your seed is germinating, you're going to also want to consider pre-soaking your medium. You might even do this before you germinate your seeds, depending what type of amendments you're going to be using in them. Uh, pre-soaking your soil does a few different things that you're going to want uh, for your plant. It activates nutrients, so anything in that soil, it's going to keep them alive or activate uh, you know, any sort of dry amendments and get them started, even though it will take some time to uh, really break down and get into use. Um, but you're not going to need them right away. So uh, doing this during germination, giving yourself you know, a couple weeks to let that stuff break down and start activating, if you will, in the soil is a great time to do it because you're just germinating your seeds and they won't need anything for that time period. 
Additionally, uh, pre-soaking your soil or your medium, depending what you're using, uh, reduces air pockets and uh, any like dry areas. So, you know, when your plant actually goes in there, you're making sure everything is fairly evenly moist. You don't want it sopping wet again, but you do want to make sure that um, all of your soil has been introduced to some moisture so that there's no, you know, big dry areas anywhere in there. Now, while you're germinating your seeds, you're going to want to check back in on that uh, DVD case or paper towel every 12 to 24 hour methods, uh, 24 hour methods, every 24 hours, um, just to make sure it is moist. If it's not moist, just uh, use a little hand sprayer and spray it. Uh, You don't want it uh, super wet, so make sure you're just adding a small amount of liquid each time when you're doing that. And again, your germination shouldn't take more than 48 hours, so um, I would say, you know, checking it maybe two or three times over the course of a couple days should do you good. If you're soaking your seeds, don't soak them in there for a long time. That's just a way to kind of, you know, soften up the, uh, the seed in preparation for germination. The next stage we're going to reach is the seedling stage. Uh, aside from flowering, this is the most vulnerable stage in your autoflower's life. I would say it's probably the most vulnerable. Um, you are trying to allow your uh, plant's roots to establish and acclimate to the medium. Uh, you're getting your very first leaves showing. It's showing above soil. Your stalk is beginning to ve- develop and um, your leaves are starting to multiply. This is really when you're starting to see the beginning of your plant's growth. You really, really want to refrain from overwatering at this point. That's why I think one great method during the seedling stage is to use this two solo cup method, which is basically using two solo cups. One of them is going to be a clear interior cup with some drainage holes, and the exterior one is going to be um, opaque with no holes. Um, you basically fill the, uh, main cup, the clear cup with your medium and you could put some, uh, myco in there or whatever you want. And you're just going to water that once the seed is in there only through bottom watering. So you're just going to put a little bit of water in the opaque, uh, solo cup and you're going to place your clear solo cup in there so that it can wick up through those, um, holes that we put into the cup into your soil and just take up what it needs. And you're just going to put that in there for maybe 20 minutes at most, just making sure that the soil is fully uh, saturated. And then you're going to pull it out and you're going to drain the main solo cup before you put the clear one in there um, to you know continue doing its thing under the light. That is a great way to make sure that you are not overwatering your plant because one of the easiest ways to overwater your plant is to have a little tiny plant in a huge pot. Um, it's super easy to give too much water to that little plant to disturb its roots and to cause a lot of problems down the line because at this early stage, it just can't handle that much water intake. And the roots are super, uh, you know, they're just developing. So they're super susceptible to any disturbances. So make sure you don't overwater. Um, at this point, humidity trumps watering. And make sure to check your plants every maybe two days just to make sure that they have enough moisture and that there's no issues going on that you've got to step in and take action on. 
All right, after the seedling stage comes the vegetative stage. The vegetative stage is awesome. This is where you're going to see explosive growth. You're going to be growing basically the scaffolding for the flowers that you're eventually going to grow. This is really the base of your plant. This is um, where you see the major jump in size for auto flowers compared to any other plant. Um, this is going to basically be from day, you know, about 14 to day 35 when you get into pre-flower. These are just kind of loose numbers, so don't uh, hold me to them, but uh, just kind of an idea of what to expect. During the vegetative stage, there is an increased need for water and nutrients because the plant is pushing its growth so quickly. Um, you're going to want to add more water as the plants get bigger. Um, it's going to take up more water. It's going to use more water. You're going to see that your plant is drying out more. And uh, this is why if you're transplanting from seedling into a bigger pot, a bigger plot, a bigger pot is a great idea right now. It's going to be able to hold more water. It's going to be able to, for a longer period, sustain your plant's water needs. And it's also going to be able to hold more nutrients in its soil. Um, so let's talk about a few, uh, ways to know when to water your autoflowers or any plants really. Um, especially now that we're in the vegetative stage and our plants have hopefully developed pretty well and our roots are pretty established and they're pretty solid and they could take a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say a beating, but they can, you know, uh, take a little more tussling around or whatever you want to call it. The first way that you can start doing this, uh, depending what types of pots you use or what type of watering system, is just to lift up the pot after you've watered it and get an idea of kind of how that feels. Uh, the difference between a watered pot and an empty pot is tremendous. Um, I don't know what the actual numbers are on there, but you can definitely tell that a watered pot is heavy it's hard to pick up and an empty pot basically feels like uh, it's empty. You know, there's nothing in there. You're basically, you know, pulling up uh, an empty bag. Um, so you will very quickly get to know if your plant is watered or not. And if the plant is super light, make sure you water it. If it still feels relatively heavy, uh, don't water it. Just give it another day to dry out a little bit more and let the plant do its thing. Another method that I really like is to just stick your finger into the soil. The top layer of your soil is where it's going to dry out first because it's got exposure both to the light and to airflow. Um, this might not be the case if you're using some type of a mulch, but typically your top uh, soil is going to dry out before anything in the interior of the pot. So you're going to want to stick your finger uh, maybe an inch or two, maybe up to your second knuckle in there and see if you feel any moisture or any coolness or anything like that. And if you do, uh, you know that your pot is still fairly moist and you don't have to go ahead and water it at that point. Uh, wait for it to be kind of dry a couple inches down, and then it's a good idea to water it. Uh, don't forget the topsoil will dry out first, so don't water just based on the looks of the topsoil. It's super deceiving and it's super easy to overwater when you're just looking at that and not checking either the weight or the soil below the surface. Another thing that you can do is you can find fairly inexpensive moisture meters. Uh, you can get these at local stores or on Amazon. Um, and they're pretty useful. I don't typically use them because you can use these other two methods to you know, pretty accurately check whether or not you want um, your plants to get more water or you know, just kind of keep doing their thing. 
At this stage in the vegetative stage, I would recommend that you check the pot either with the finger method or the weight method, uh, maybe every couple days just to make sure everything's going well. They will be wanting more water at this point. So you really want to keep on top of it and make sure that your plants have all the water that they need during this vegetative stage so that you can grow a really nice big plant so that during your flowering stage, you'll have a lot of room for your flowers to grow. All right, we've made it to flower. Uh, Flowering stage is always probably the most rewarding, but it's also the most demanding stage for your autoflower grow. Um, You're trying to manage a smooth landing for all the work you've done, make sure everything uh, ends up in the right place. You've got awesome buds that smell beautiful, look beautiful, will smoke beautiful, nice big yields or, you know, flavors, whatever you're going for. Um, During the flowering stage, your plants still want to drink a lot of water and uptake nutrients, um, especially in early flower and pre-flower, but your water needs will drastically taper off as you approach harvest. This is actually one of the really good signs uh, that you can keep out Uh, keep an eye out for that your plants are ready for harvest is that they will take in a lot less water and do it a lot more slowly um the uh metabolic processes in the plant are slowing down as the plant's dying and it's no longer taking up water at the same rate that it was before because it's not needing it at the same rate that it was before so make sure that you are not over watering your uh auto flowers during the late flower stage uh, this is the same as in the seedling stage. These two are kind of like the most susceptible to problems when you are um, dealing with auto flowers and watering. You want to make sure that you know you've got low humidity in your tents during flowering, and one of the ways to do that is to keep your water in your pots somewhat lower than you would the rest of the uh, grow. So just keep that in mind. And before you water uh, during the flowering stage, you want to triple check. I would use maybe two or three methods at this point just to make sure that your medium is in fact dry enough and you don't need to just wait another day or two. At this point, you're going to want to be checking your water every two to three days and you're going to want to make sure that the medium is really dry. You're going to want a little bit of a dry back period, not completely dry, but you do want it to get somewhat dry and be careful because you're really protecting your awesome new buds at this point. So those are the different stages of the autoflower life cycle and how to water for each one of those. Next up, I want to talk about recognizing overwatering and underwatering. This is super important because aside from nutrient feeding issues, underwatering and overwatering are some of the most common issues for new growers, especially in the beginning. Uh, I think the reason why is because you know, when we're growing for the first time, we want to feel like we're doing something like don't just stand there, do something. Uh, but a lot of times really just letting the plant do what it needs to do and not interfering is probably the best thing and what the plant actually needs. Um, both overwatering and underwatering can stunt your plant and slow it down. And this will greatly affect your plant's development. So you want to be careful, especially during the seedling and late flower stages, like we just talked about, um, that you don't cause extra watering issues that you're not, you know, forced to. You don't want any unforced errors at this point in the grow. One difficulty is that overwatering, underwatering actually will look pretty similar to new growers. 
Uh, but I promise that after a couple of runs and looking into some pictures and with some information under your belt, you're going to be able to tell uh, the difference between underwatering and overwatering pretty quickly. Um, I've both underwatered and overwatered when I started growing, and now I can walk into somebody's grow room and they could be like, what's wrong with this? And within an instant, I could say it's overwatered or it's underwatered or whatever you know the watering issue might be. So overwatering. Uh, overwatering your plants causes a lot of problems, but the main one is that your plants really need oxygen for your roots to be able to develop and do their job properly. Um, and oversaturating your medium is basically drowning your roots. Um, it's going to stunt your auto plants and it's going to keep them from developing to their full size. And remember that we've only got a limited timeline with these autoflowers. So we want to make sure that every step of the way, we're not overwatering and stunting these guys because we don't have time to make that back up. Um, overwatering occurs much, much, much more frequently than underwatering for uh, new growers, I would say, in my experience. Um, typically it's not one session of watering that's going to get your plants to be overwatered, but it's typically too much water too frequently. Uh, so give your plants a few extra days in between, uh, to, you know, dry back a little bit. It's just the constant barrage of water that actually causes the overwatering issues. So what are some of the symptoms of, uh, overwatering? You will see your plants become droopy. The leaves will start, you know, just hanging down. They're going to look heavy. They're going to look like exactly what you would imagine a leaf filled with too much water would look like. Um, as overwatering progresses, your plants are going to lose some of their green and start turning yellow. Uh, so that's one thing that you can look out for is yellowing leaves that are droopy and kind of heavy looking. Another sign that you might be overwatering your plants is that your plant just isn't growing that fast. Um, autoflowers are super quick, especially once you hit the vegetative stage. And if they're not going the way you would experience normally or from a typical strain that you've grown before or something you might have seen online, there's a decent chance that you're overwatering it and causing stunting. So what are some solutions to overwatering? I know it sounds really simple, but uh, let your medium dry back. Um, basically, give more time in between waterings. You're going to also want to check the weight of your pot or use your fingers to tell if your plant actually needs water every couple of days just to confirm that you're not overwatering your plant and that your plant is, in fact, dry enough or light enough. Next up, you will want to water less frequently. Uh, again, Overwatering is typically not done in one session, but too many sessions, too frequently with too much water. So a big help will be spacing out your watering sessions. Even if you're spacing out your watering sessions, that doesn't mean you should be spacing out your checking in on your plant sessions. These are two different things. So make sure you're always checking your plants, but you know, err a little bit more on the side of less water if you find yourself in an overwatered situation. Also, make sure your pot has a good amount of drainage. Uh, fabric pots are great for this purpose. And you is going along with that, you also want to make sure that your medium is porous enough to allow drainage. 
So I think with these tips, you should be able to avoid overwatering, which is a super common beginner mistake that I think everyone has had at some point and uh, you will definitely be able to conquer. So don't let that frustrate you. Up next is underwatering. It's a counterpart. Basically, underwatering is just not providing your plant with the necessary water to allow it to uptake nutrients at an optimal rate and you know produce photosynthesis and keep up with the light and heat demands for uh, the growth potential that your plant has. Underwatering your plant, again, can stunt your plant and lead it to smaller harvests in the end. Not good. What are the symptoms? All right, so... We said that uh, overwatering is droopy, heavy-looking leaves, whereas underwatering is also drooping leaves, but you're going to see more drooping towards the tips initially as opposed to the entire leaf. This will be your first tip off that you are looking at uh, underwatering versus overwatering. You'll also notice that as opposed to the fullness or the heaviness of overwatering leaves, that there's going to be like a dry crispiness to your leaves. Um, think of what you know dry leaves that have fallen off the trees look like in fall. You can you know crumble them up in your hands. Once you start seeing that on your uh, plant, it's a pretty decent sign, uh, as long as it's not a nutrient deficiency, that it is underwatering and definitely not overwatering. Um, a general dead kind of lifeless look to your plant is another uh, kind of giveaway that your plant isn't getting what it needs. So what can we do to resolve underwatering? Pretty easy. Just rewater the plant, but don't overwater it. Uh, you can shock the plant if you're using the incorrect kind of water or too much water when it's coming from an overdried period. So be careful. Um Watch your plant come back to life and make sure that you're not adding too much. Kind of ramp it up as you get back into it. Um, You're going to water more frequently and with enough water to make sure that your pot is heavy, but it doesn't have too much runoff. So basically the opposite of if you are overwatering, lean a little bit more towards more water and more frequently uh, because it seems like your thermometer personally is running a little bit dry. Uh, last but not least is consider using uh, transplanting methods from a smaller solo cup to a larger pot, especially if you're having issues in the seedling phase. Uh, this can help you a lot managing your water intake in those smaller plants. So that is underwatering and overwatering. That should help you get past some of these pretty common mistakes. Up next, let's talk about top watering and sub irrigation. These are two ways in which we can get water into the medium itself. We could either go through the top or through the bottom, basically are two options. So let's begin with top watering. This is probably the most common and most understood of the ways to water. With top watering, basically you're going to be using like a watering can or some type of a sprayer. A lot of guys like using sprayers so you can have even a little bit more control over the flow of water versus a watering can, which is a little susceptible to you, maybe tipping it over and the flow going in a little bit uh, rushed. Um, So you might want to use a watering can or a sprayer for this. And doing top watering gives you full control. Top watering also comes with the benefit of being able to flush your medium to some degree, which allows you to get excess nutrients uh, to drain out through the bottom of the water. That is not possible when you're feeding from the bottom. 
Uh, so what you're doing is you're basically capturing some of these excess salts in the water and pulling them down through the bottom of the plant uh, to drain out so that they're no longer sitting in the medium itself. That's you know another uh, great reason we might want to consider top watering it at certain points or throughout the entire process. Another cool thing about top watering is you can so easily add compost teas or any other liquid nutrients that you might be working with without worrying about uh, managing a reservoir or any standing water. Uh, you know, you can mix it up uh, to uh, whatever stage you're at and you're ready to go. Top watering also encourages uh, the root zone uh, to grow and have extra oxygen because the water is pulling oxygen into the root zone and into the medium. And um, it does allow for some really nice uh, root development when you don't overwater your medium. It also allows you to activate any top uh, dressings, any you know dry amendments or anything that you might put on top of the soil. All those do take uh, some uh, water, some time, some heat to actually activate, break down, and become part of the soil. So top watering, if you're using dry amendments, is almost a necessary thing to get them going and uh, into your soil system. There are a few downsides to top watering too that I think are worth addressing. Um, one of the main topics of this whole conversation, and this applies to top watering, is you are much more likely to overwater when it comes to top watering versus sub-irrigation. Because you're fully in control of top watering, it's going to take more time. It's a lot more manual labor when you're doing this uh, versus feeding from some type of uh, reservoir or tank where you're basically mixing a solution and letting it do its own thing where uh, you know you could kind of have a backup system. This is any water that's going into your system is put in there by hand by you per plant. So that's um, something to consider if you have any sort of time constraints or you know, you're opposed to spending time watering your plants. This will be more time consuming than sub-irrigation. The other downside is that we aren't letting the plant control the medium's moisture. And I think that's a downside because we really want the plants to kind of be able to tell us exactly what they want at what rate they want to be able to take it up. So making your auto flowers kind of more automatic, I think, is something that's pretty cool that we could do with our next topic, which is sub-irrigation. Sub-irrigation is cool. You're basically uh, filling your plants from the bottom. It's using the medium to wick up uh, any water from either a reservoir or a filling tank or something like that. And the plant itself is actually uh, both monitoring and regulating the amount of water that the medium takes in. So it's not going to overwater itself. And as long as the tank is filled, you won't under uh, water your plants either. So that uh, prevents a couple of big problems. Another cool thing about sub-irrigation is that... Um, your roots are going to love it, basically. Uh, Sub-irrigation encourages your roots to seek out the bottom of your containers and the sides of your containers and create you know, vigorous, big, healthy roots that are well-watered and are able to take up nutrients and able to spread and grow a big, large plant. Um, I've seen plants completely take off once you put in uh, sub-irrigation systems. Uh, really cool. 
there's a lot of different systems available. There's DIY systems. There are, uh, you know, systems like the earth boxes, which are, you know, bigger containers. There's auto pots. There's AC infinity water bases. There's a bunch of different cool systems out there for sub irrigation. And they're at a bunch of different price points. And I think uh, it's something worthwhile to look into at some point if this sounds attractive to you. Now, with all these upsides to sub-irrigation, there are a couple of downsides. I'll start with one that we kind of mentioned before, and that is that there's no real natural flushing process of the salts if you have any buildup in your medium. Since the plant is taking the uh, water from below, there's no way for it to clear out. Basically, um, your extra salt excess is going to be um, you know, stuck in the medium. There's nothing uh, pouring down or getting uh, removed from the system. It's only being added to. So if you need to flush a uh, plant that is in a sub-irrigation system, you're going to have to top water. This takes me to uh, my second downside, which is uh, if you have um, a system or a uh, nutrient line that is uh, dry amendments, you're going to have to top water still. So if you're top amending soil or you're doing anything like that, you're going to have to still top water to activate those amendments. Uh, this is also additionally true if you're doing compost teas, that's going to be top watered. And what I would do in these cases, because I do use um, different types of sub-irrigation along with dry amendments and top amending. And what I'll do for this is I'll let the... Uh, the bases or the reservoir uh, run out. And basically when it's time for the next uh, fill of the tank, I'll skip that. I'll dry amend the top of the pots or the medium, and I will water that in. And I will just do that manually for maybe one or two feedings. And then I'll go back and I'll fill up the res again and let that kind of do its things because the nutrients and the amendments should be activated. Exact same thing goes for um, compost tea. You're just going to want to add the compost tea and then go back to your reservoir once you are ready. Let's talk about water quality and where some of the ways we can get water and what to do with it once we have it. Uh, water quality is very important to your plants. Um, getting water straight out of the tap that's got a lot of chlorine in there and a lot of extra garbage is not ideal for growing plants. It could uh, greatly reduce the growth rate and even kill your plants if you aren't careful about what you're putting in there. So a lot of uh, great growers and successful growers grow with tap water. So I'm not saying you can't use tap water. But if you do use tap water, you're going to want to let it dechlorinate. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but basically what you're going to do is you're going to let that water sit out for at least 24 hours without a lid on it. So uh, think milk jug containers or something like that. Uh, you want to have a few on hand and you're going to want to make sure that that off gases or dechlorinates for 24 hours. So when you put it into your uh, plants, they are uh, nice and clean. You will also uh, get the benefit when you let them sit for 24 hours of letting the tap water adjust to room temperature. I would start with cold water because there's uh, less issues for minerals to be in there than in hot water. So I run uh, cold water into uh, containers and then let those sit for 24 hours, typically if I'm using tap water. 
if you have issues with your tap water, there's a couple uh, things you could do. I have a friend who uses well water. He has access to a well on his property and he finds well water to be great for uh, growing his cannabis plants. He does grow auto flowers and they love his well water. I can attest to that. If you don't have access to uh, well water and you don't have great tap water, another option is to filter your water with something called reverse osmosis filtration. This is real popular with growers and other people who need uh, super clean water. And what this does is it strips everything out, the chlorine, the minerals, everything bad from your water, and it basically gets you down to just pure H2O. This is really good because it lets you start from a completely blank slate. But the issue with this is that your plants do need minerals in there. So you're going to have to remineralize any reverse osmosis water that you make or RO water is what you'll see it commonly referred to. Um, So consider that there's going to be a little bit more effort that goes into RO water in addition to just filtering it and paying for those filters. Up next, we need to discuss when discussing water for uh, for autoflowers is pH balance. pH is super important to autoflower growers and cannabis growers in general. pH stands for the potential of hydrogen. And basically what this tells us is how acidic or how base a solution is or how base or acidic a medium is. This is important to keep in mind, and we got to keep this within a certain range for our autos so that they can uptake nutrients. The reason why this is important is because all the different nutrients that we're feeding our plants, all the stuff in the dry amendments, all the stuff in the salt amendments, it can only be used by the plant. The roots of the plant can only absorb those nutrients if it's in an environment that is properly acidic slash base. So we need to shoot for a proper pH to make sure that we don't lock out, is what it's called, our nutrients, which is basically our plants being unable to take in any more nutrients. And that's caused by pH imbalance. So we need to make sure our pH is definitely in balance to have a beneficial and strong root zone uh, that's healthy and able to uptake nutrients. So let's discuss uh, briefly how to pH your water. It's really easy. You do need a couple things for this. Um, You're going to need a uh, calibrated pH meter. Uh, In addition to that, you're going to need some distilled water, which you can go get at Walmart or the grocery store. You're going to need your own water to test. This is the actual water that you're going to be testing. And you also need a pH up or pH down solution. Um, you could find a lot of these in grocery stores and it will last you a very, very long time. So let's say you, uh, have a calibrated pH meter. Um, if, if not, if you haven't calibrated your pH meter in a week or two weeks, sometimes up to a month, uh, depending how often you use it, you're going to want to calibrate it. The more accurate your pH meter, the better, your pH reading is going to come off and the better and more accurate that your feeding is going to be. So calibrate your pH meter first. Next, you're going to want to test the water that you're going to be feeding to your plant. Um, And basically, you are just going to put your uh, 
meter into the water. It's going to give you a reading and you will determine based on your medium and what the ideal range is for both your medium and for your nutrient line, what uh, you need to do next, whether your pH is too low or too high. This is where the pH up or pH down come in. pH up, pH down are going to come in little bottles, they're liquid, and they're going to come with a little dropper, and you're going to add just a tiny, 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 tiny amount, a single drop to a couple drops at a time before you retest your water. I'm telling you, if you put in more than maybe like four or five drops into a gallon of water of pH up or down, it could totally swing uh, your pH and you got to throw out that water. And what sucks about that is that most of the time, like we just talked about, you've let that water sit out for 24 hours. So if you don't have extra water on hand and you pH your water way too high or way too low, you're probably not going to be able to get it back into range. And that water is basically junk for your plant. So you wasted that time. In a pinch, or if you got, uh, you know, for some reason you don't have uh, pH up or pH down for the time being, you can use vinegar for pH down or baking soda to uh, up your pH. I wouldn't use these permanently, but they can help in a uh, you know one or two time deal. As far as uh, pHing water, I just want to say again, small adjustments are the key to this. You want to add a little bit and test it with your meter. And in between each meter reading, you want to rinse off your meter with distilled water to make sure that whatever reading you're getting is clean and accurate. So just test, 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 and make small, small adjustments. It's worth the time putting in to make sure you don't lock out your plants. Let's go over a couple last tips, a couple of recap tips, and some tricks that uh, when you walk away, I think should help you. Don't forget to dechlorinate your tap water for 24 hours. Let your water sit with an open top for 24 hours to make sure that all the chlorine dissipates and comes to room temperature so that your plants are happy to receive it and aren't shocked by it. You can use rainwater. Rainwater is great if you have a collection system. It's super clean, it's free of chlorine, and it is uh, super useful. It's great. It's got lots of minerals that your plants are going to love. It's about the most natural thing you could add to your garden. So if you can, collect rainwater. It's a great resource. If you're having trouble with your tap water, consider buying filtered water or buying a filter. It can get a little expensive and you got to consider remineralizing uh, super filtered or RO'd water, but it could be worth it if you don't have any other solutions. Once a week or so, considering adding some type of an instant tea to your watering schedule. This can help with the microbial life in your soil environment and it's really easy as long as you're already watering your plants. Don't forget you don't want to be too rough and disturb the soil or the early roots in your seedling plants. So be careful when watering. A spray uh, nozzle or a spray can might be a great way to go to give your plants a much lighter mist. Consider using some type of a mulch to help retain the water in your medium. This will help you... uh, keep your water inside your medium for a longer time and you won't have to water quite as frequently. Make sure that when you adjust your pH that you're doing it a tiny bit at a time. Just add a tiny bit of pH up or down and then test. Then add a little bit more and test. Don't do too much or you're going to be wasting water. And always, 
keep extra clean water on hand. You don't know when you're going to pH it up or down too much. You don't know when you're going to add too much uh, nutrient solution. You don't know when you might just spill it or forget to fill up another bottle. So if you need typically five gallons of water, keep six or seven on hand. It's always worth having a couple backups when it comes to water. It's always useful in your garden, and it's great to have clean stuff on hand. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Auto Flower Power Podcast, where we dove into the essentials of watering your auto flowers. We've covered the unique watering needs of these resilient plants, offering you strategies to sidestep the common problems of over and under watering. From exploring the benefits of top watering and sub-irrigation to understanding the critical aspects of water quality and pH adjustments. If today's episode has helped you on your gardening journey, please share it with a friend or fellow gardener who's passionate about autoflowers or cannabis cultivation. I hope you've taken something from this episode that you can directly apply to your garden today to grow bigger, more vigorous, monster, giant plants. Check out the show notes for this episode at socratesgrows.com water. You'll find show notes and links to resources from this episode there. Or feel free to email me at socratesgrows at protonmail.com. And until next time, take it easy. Bye.